there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Communist 
because in reality we've been run by an oligarchy for a long, long, long time. An oligarchy, as Carl Quigley said in his book Tragedy and Hope, and the Anglo-American establishment. We've been controlling this for a long time, and I'll be back with more about this after the following messages. Who was addicted to these video games? 
And I'm going to read it and keep the names out. And it says, Dear dear Alan Watt, if anyone knows this, you do. I need any info that shows that violent computer games and films and music produce unbidden flashbacks or visions of violence. Well, the answer to that is, there's a fact, yeah. Um, this is known. The problem is most of the information, although it's out in the, in the higher uh, psychological circles at uh, universities, most of it's kept from the public, the general public. They don't talk about this in uh, the general media. As you know too well, the current generation has been reared on violent video games formerly reserved for military and police training to help the trainees overcome their natural aversion to killing. Today's 18-year-olds were introduced in preschool to stalking people with weapons. And that's what it is. They're getting taught to stalk people, to hunt them down with weapons. The full array of books, TV, and music by constant connection to either the Internet, the iPod, radio, Cell phones is what they are offered when they become teenagers. Along with this are pop psych courses on mental pathology, health courses on pathology, the pathology of the environment. Along with that are do-it-yourself mental health assessments and parties for teens to fill out these uh, questionnaires to see if they are psychotic, obsessive, compulsive, or something else pathological. I'm trying to help an extremely gifted young man who spent many hours playing video games and who had sudden visions of violence out of the blue that concerned him. He never acted on violence and in fact has been known for his compassion and willingness to help others, even doing sacrificial things to help others. He recognized the game playing as an addiction when he was 10, 10 years of age, and gave the games up for a year, almost, he played them sometimes, he said, when his step stepbrother with his step stepbrother, but he decided to go back to the games a year later. He avoided things like Grand Theft Auto and believed he was exercising some prudence, but he virtually admitted this was an addiction. A year and a half ago he got into heavy metal music and several bands with names like Incubus and Succubus. He began watching Nip Tuck and CSI, and I've talked about these types of programs before, which both dissect bodies while playing almost, and listen to this, and it's true, listen to this hymnal music, just like hymns in the background if you listen to it. It's almost like a sacred act to dissect these bodies. He began going to films with killing sprees in, in, the, in, in the, the movies. He took tests to see if he was sociopathic or psychopathic. I told him sociopaths and psychopaths have no conscience, feel no remorse or shame, have no compassion, have no sense of justice. This boy was said by teachers to have these two abnormally developed degree. It's truly a statement on our times when a child can be said to be abnormal for having these qualities as of compassion and so on. The traits still exist, although the boy is trying to override them. He recently demonstrated great remorse for a time redirected his actions. He's in touch with friends and chat room associates who've been raised on these psychological diagnoses as well as a psychotic culture affair. These contacts reorient him to that disorienting world. As I look back on my own teen years, I recall the surprises my generation got when our free choice, supposedly free choice to take LSD turned out to be not so free. First people learned that they couldn't do something as simple as go to sleep when they wanted to because the drug kept them up. 
Then they found that flashbacks would come out of nowhere. Later, of course, we found that the drug that was supposed to help us make an anti-establishment statement had been delivered to everyone by the establishment government, and that's true. That was who was behind Actually, actually, your security services working for the government, that's who was behind bringing the drugs in. So I compared that with the computer game violence that this generation has been absorbing since preschool and these visions of violence and wondered if, like LSD, these produced flashback experiences out of the blue. But because they aren't game story related, children have them, that have them believe these are their own personal visions of violence and conclude that there must be something sociopathic or psychotic with them. Have you come across information along these lines in your research? I've read that people find themselves addicted but have not seen anything about the violent visions spontaneously happening in children or teenagers or anything relating to computer game residue. How can it not happen that way? A person is mugged, he or she will have flashbacks of the event. Anyone who has experienced a violent assault or disruptive experience will have them. These so-called games are an assault on children's tender minds and on teenagers' developing minds, and the experiences take place for hours at a time day after day throughout their formative years. And that's one of the many types of letters I get to do with people who understand and see what's happening to the youngsters. And what they, as I say, what they might not know is that there are people, lots and lots of people, who are employed by government agencies who are working hand in cloth with the makers of these big violent video games, uh, mainly, mainly from Japan. Japan's a big player. They, they lead the field in altering the cultures of people. They have specialists in all different mental health areas working on these things. And really, as U.S. companies and British companies and other international companies that are based in Japan that take the lead and then market it to the children. And what do you tell? What do you tell relatives and friends when they do what everyone else does? And that's buy your child one of these games for birthdays or Christmas. Or what do you do? Do you accept it and let them do it, or do you ignore what your child does anyway? Most will just simply ignore it, thinking everyone's doing it, so it must be all right. But these games are literally meant to desensitize your children from killing and the acts of killing. Now, I think we've got Steve in Burlington, Ontario, on the line. Are you there, Steve? Hello, Steve. Yes, hi, Alan. I'm here. How are I, you? Uh, I have to say I thoroughly enjoy the information you're bringing out, and I, I appreciate uh, what you've been doing. Um, just a question that's been bugging me. Uh, it's probably pretty trivial, but I wanted your insight on this uh, nonetheless. I recently bought a copy of uh, Bertrand Russell's book, and I believe it's the original 53 publication. And on the inside flap, uh, inside of the cover, there's a label of the owner. And uh, it's it's just picture a window frame, and the outside of the frame is grapevines and some birds and a ram on top, yeah. and uh, a man and a woman on the left and right, respectively. Uh, the man's holding an open book, and the woman's holding a closed book. Mm-hmm. And at the bottom, uh, near a flask in an open book, it says Ex Libris, mm-hmm. and below that is the owner's name typed in on the label. 
Yeah. I thought that was just kind of curious uh, if there's any insight you could share on that. Yeah, you'll, um, you'll, it's you'll trivial. It may be. I don't want you to spend too much time. On that. You'll find it with all um, of, of the Masonic groups, uh, in fact, <clears throat> because the man is the, the open book, meaning he, he's allowed to grow higher in spirit. And, and I'll, I'll talk about this when. Hold on, sure. and we'll talk after the break here. Your name, 
And and I watched this thing, and I was going to play it at a, considering playing it at a college or a coffee shop to you know open up people's minds. But then I then I realized, you know, I, I couldn't I couldn't play this video to, to Mexicans because it it, it call, you know this this man calls them illegal aliens and oh yeah. So I became concerned that this that that I started thinking about um you know counterintelligence and what yeah. the intended effect would be, mm-hmm. you know, where they take certain things and they start spinning them off into like divisive camps and yeah. and, and so I was wondering what your thoughts on that were, Alan. Well, you see, I, I, I have so much of the inside scoop. I know so much of what goes on mm-hmm. and I generally don't talk about it. I mean, I've had the offers from the big boys themselves and in fact, I was promised lots and lots of money if I just joined them and I'm talking about uh, all the, those who run the whole new age and all the rest of it Mm-hmm. And even those who do their videos from, for them, there's always a connection between the person who does the, the mainstream big uh, videos for these big characters. And he phoned me up and uh, and talked for two hours and was going to do a documentary for two hours on me. Mm-hmm. If I'd, at the very end, he asked me about the, the, the alien agenda, if I would, what I thought about it, and I told him what I thought. In other words, I wouldn't go along with it. And if I had, I'd be on every major talk show um, across the planet uh, on a weekly basis when the, the biggest shows. And I got them from, from the other guys who put out books as well. I said I wouldn't join them. I would not mislead the people. Mm-hmm. And then they, they threatened to get me off different radio stations if I didn't go along with them. Mm-hmm. That's just happened, by the way, with Red Eyes. Really? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So you have no idea what really goes on because this whole agenda of the new age causing disrupting and so on with different races of people, etc., is all part of the big one agenda. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's been plan- planning for a long, long time. And they don't like people who just come out with the straight facts with what's called intelligence gathering. And when you want to counter it, you take the same intelligence, you, you tack on your spin, mm-hmm. and then you have counterintelligence. They counter the intelligence. I just wanted to say, Alan, that, that what I really like about you is that you don't you don't belong to any group. Like you know, like you're not part of any camp or philosophy. That that you're you know you're not shackled by you know by either, either patriot or nationalism or or you know or whatever you know what I mean or Marxism or yeah. You know, like a lot of people I meet are, are they they get at the truth and they know the truth, but they're still loyal to their party or their race yeah. or their country, and it it it, it kind of like uh, it. I don't know, it spins them off, it, it takes them away from the truth, basically. That's what uh, counterintelligence is all about. Yeah. And uh, I've always told people, now I don't know the video you're talking about, but I've seen other ones. I also know people who pump me for information privately over the phone over the years, and it would end up in the next book of the big stream authors. Uh. And some of them admitted they were doing this eventually. Eventually they fessed up to it. Hold on, and I'll talk to you once we come back from this break. Okay. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt. And we're cutting through more of this matrix that's very, very long indeed. And I'm talking to Rick in California 
about some of the things that, that actually happen. And I, I can't stress enough that uh, the society is always shaped over generations. Changes are shaped over generations and directed by departments of culture creation. And to create myths or create religions, for instance, it can take decades, many decades, and just gradually step it up, step it up, until, like Bertrand Russell said, people can be made to believe anything. Adam Weishaupt said the same thing. It wasn't because they suddenly realized it. It's because those guys had archives of information where they saw it happening down through history and how it was actually done, introduced into the people, reinforced, and the people believe. I think it was Charles Fort that said, in every age and every era, the, the proper authorities saw it, saw to it that the proper religion was taught properly to the people, and it was done properly, and the people believed properly. That's how simple it is. And because the vast majority come to believe something doesn't mean it's true. But the vast majority can be made quite easily to believe anything, simply by repetition. And the more people who all agree about it, then the minority eventually join them. But the dirty tricks that goes on in counterintelligence is no different from big business as well. It's a takeover. Businesses take over businesses. It's a constant war between all these things and the truth and reality. And we have a lot of uh, uh, radio stations, for instance, uh, that start up when they see something works for someone else. They'll start something up. And uh, in, in the business of imagination, uh, there's no better one to, to follow than the original Art Bell show, which is called Dreamland, remember? Dreamland. That's why it was on late at night. That's why your late night news is on at 11 p.m. is to keep you up, modify your behavior. You don't go to bed early. You're in the hypnotic state uh, between sleep and awakefulness, and you can get downloaded more easily. That's why these things are on so late. And other ones copy that. Now, if you want to get into business, and make a go of it, you don't want the truth to be spoken, you want to just fascinate the people, mislead them and so on as long as the money comes in. So you have a moral problem right off the bat if you catch on to the fact that the information you're putting out is really disinformation or it's having negative effects on people. And I'm sure they all know this because first of all, they do twinge the psychotic fringe who jump into real psychosis when they get into all this stuff and they'll get plenty of mail from those people telling them what's happening to them. So their conscience then has to make a decision to carry on with the same format and deceive the people for, for, for the dollar or to tell the people the truth. And I try to stick to telling the truth. But yeah, I've had people literally over the years pump me for hours and hours and hours, and I used to do it, give out information, only to find out they were passing this information on directly to certain authors. And uh, so whatever intelligence I give out with facts and so on is going to be grabbed very quickly by all sorts of groups. And you might think it's main figures that you see or hear about publicly. It doesn't have to be so. There are teams of them working who put the stuff together for a lot of these characters. Can I, and that's can I called counterintelligence. Can, can I say something? Yeah. Yeah, the name of the video is Endgame. Uh-huh. And... You know, I really enjoyed it. It's very, very well done. You know, but, but, but I have a lot of um, Mexican friends and use the term illegal alien, which yeah. is it, it's a dehumanizing term. It is. It's a smear. It's a smearing term. Yeah. And uh, don't forget, they do uh, not only uh, expect clashes eventually. Mm -hmm. uh, the big boys want clashes eventually. 
yeah, as, as two cultures meet, and not by gradual immigration, but by literally enforced, enforced migration. That's what it is right now. Mm-hmm. And we know that the big foundations fund a lot of the, what's called illegal immigration. They fund that south of the border, but from the U.S. side, because that is the agenda. And the more chaos they can create amongst people and tensions, the government has to come in with new laws that affect everyone. They don't care about you, me, or, or what country you come from. They don't care about that at all, but they love the conflict because it gives them a reason to pass laws. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel like this, this you know, his show and everything, this man's show, caught, um, I think it, it can cause conflict. It could be, it could be counterproductive in that way. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, so... I mean, I mean what, what are, to be honest, you see, I'm above even countries. Mm-hmm. And it's very, very true what Socrates said. Um, when he had to drink the, the hemlock, supposedly, so we're told by Plato... And uh, because these guys were aristocracy, didn't mean they were complete liars. They often said incredible statements of truth, but he said, I, I die not as an Athenian or a, or a Greek or an Attican, basically. He, he said, I die as a citizen of the world. And that's, this, that's the term that the Rockefeller Foundation use when they give the citizenship awards to all the big players, including some that are running for, to be your next president. They've all been given citizenship of the world awards by Rockefeller. Mm-hmm. So it's all a game to them at the top. Yeah. E- even nations and the creation of nations is all a game. Well, hope you didn't mind me bringing this up. I just want to thank you. Well, thanks for calling. Yeah, I haven't seen that one yet. All right. Have a good night. And you too. And that's what we're, we're dealing with. Um, how can you separate business from profit and fact from fiction? When in this day and age, it's all it's all working together, and the only system we've been given is one really of commerce and business. We've been given no alternative in what we call this modern era, and with that goes a lot of morals and moral uh, principles. They're all dropped and left behind in the attempt for everyone to survive and be what they call successful. That's everyone's dilemma. And I try to say that the best we can do in this world is trying to get through it and harm as le- at least amount of people as possible. That's all we can truly do. But behind the scenes, as I say, uh, with, uh, with people like uh, Weishaupt talking about it before and Pike talking about it later on and others down since then, that this, they always tell you we shall give the people their leaders for every mentality type out there, they've got a leader already out there for you to join. And I find this um, with people who go into chat rooms, they phone me up and tell me about the battles they have in chat rooms. And I've never gone into a chat room because that's all it is, is it's all egos and, and people with causes trying to fight the other bunch or, or trying to persuade them to join theirs and see reason. And uh, this is all intentional because Brzezinski talked about this, this formula that be given to the public long before the public were given the internet and here it is and everyone falls for it they forget they forget who they are when their ego is, is, is on the defensive or they, they themselves are on the, the offensive and and, uh, and they've got to defend their ideals at all costs so they, they attack each other in these chat rooms and become rather vicious so I, I stay clear of it and you cannot make someone uh, understand or believe the truth. You can't make that because most folk live in belief systems 
not fact. Don't want fact. Fact is rather boring. It can be frightening too. It's much easier to go through life and and simply live in imagination and and look for aliens to come and rescue you. And uh, they have good aliens or bad aliens, and or, or is a God going to do it for you, or Jesus is going to come back, or you can get the chance in the next lifetime. Christians get born again once, and the reincarnationists get born again and again and again. I mean, it's the same kind of thing, cop-out after cop-out. I'll do nothing. It'll all happen in the future. And so people like myself are trying to give people a chance, maybe for the first time, by giving them just plain facts, not offering them some uh, quick-fix solution not telling them they're going to get anything back, any system back. Uh, how can you get a system back that was corrupt 10 years ago, 20, 50, or 100, or 200 years ago? What part of the corruption do you want to go back to? Do you want to go back to the days of open slavery when someone, some other color was getting the chains on them? Or do you want to go before that when they were brought, bringing the white slaves? But they found they were just too weak, they died off too quickly. What point of the history do you want to go back to? Who made the borders? Why are there Masonic obelisks along the whole of, of the border from east to west coast of Canada and the U.S.? Who are these Masons that agreed upon that border? Look at your books. Look at your history books. See the photographs yourself. See the placements of them. They're all Masonic. Did you vote for Masons? Did any generation vote for Masons? living in a fantasy after World War One and Two, Britain and, other, and the Allies divvied up the Middle East and Asia by drawing lines on maps then telling folk that had already lived there for centuries you're now called this and you bunch over that line are called this and we're going to get you fighting each other which they do that's the sort of games that go on on a big big scale big scale massive scale all the time all the time and the public float through their lives never really knowing what's going on most never really caring what's going on as long as they're okay and uh, and that's a sad thing sad comment to, to realize that, that as I said thousands of years ago even pre-Christian let the dead bury their dead you could only be conscious or alive if you were conscious and aware of what was happening if you were not conscious of what was happening around you you were classified as the dead the Walking Dead. Now we've got Deborah and Maryland there. Are you there, Deborah? Deborah? Hello? Hello. Hello? Yes, can you hear me? Now I can. Yeah, go ahead. It was strange to cut off. Um, no, I like the fact that um, you are not uh, part and parcel of this group or that group. Um, I can say, thankfully, nor am I, um, other than, you know, to try and awaken those who want to be awakened. Yes. But, yeah, you do run, and and I know you do run into this, and, and I've run into it, um, people that, you know, will fight you tooth and nail yeah. and uh, want to remain in, in the coma. And there's nothing you can do about that. And uh, I run into a lot of people that are, are constantly fighting that battle, and I tell them, well, why are you bothering? Yeah. 
Yeah. Why, why do you bother with people that you know don't want to be told um, yeah. what the real deal is? Yeah. And that it has nothing to do with um, their um, own own concepts of of what they've been told. That's right. Um, That's right. I don't remember exactly who said it, but they said religion was um, organized religion is the opiate of the masses. Yeah. Yeah, that was Marx then Lenin said it, yeah. And that was that was a brilliant thing to say because I found that like early on in my life because it just none of it made sense. Yeah. And uh I was fortunate enough to to have parents that allowed me to opt out of that. Yes. And even though they they practice their religion and whatnot as a child, they they're you know fine. We see what you know. We understand that you don't see it our way, and we're not going to force that upon you. Yeah, that's it. And it's a shame that you know so many people don't see that. I know, but it's so see the indoctrination. Is, is pretty intense and again whatever becomes tradition becomes the norm and it becomes almost sacred culture, everything uh, is all, all becomes sacred to an extent because the masses remember, so you're living with people 80% are called the mass man right. they, they enjoy the masses they like all to agree on the same major things and they don't like anyone that's different than themselves and if we're all told to wear orange um, pajamas tomorrow in the streets <laughs> and, and it, was, it became the normal uh, they start stoning someone who had be in black exactly so uh, this is how it works it's the same thing um, in, in pre-Christian times the people in, in Greece when they worshipped the goddess and so on used to kill uh, often their firstborn child and that was a normal thing and Christianity came in and the first generation suddenly you have to love your child and they were stoning the ones that were going the old tradition by killing the firstborn. So anything can be made normal. And Plato said this thousands of years ago. He knew the art of creating culture and altering culture. And he said, he said that um, anything can be given to the people, even a completely different morality in one generation. And the last ones to know what's happened are those who live through it. They just adapt and adapt all the way through it and never question. And that's that's what is so astounding to me that that people go through life and never question anything. Mm-hmm. That's right. I and, mean, and they don't question religion. They don't question um, the so-called news. They don't question anything. They don't. Just, and, and Brzezinski said that. He said in his own book, Between Two Ages, it's worth reading because he's a man who who was working with the, the NSA, the National Security Agency. He was the top of all the big major institutions. He was into the high technology aspect of mind control, psychological uh-huh. control and propaganda. And he said in his own book, he says, shortly a technique will be unleashed on the public, which will be completely unaware of. He says, but short, and shortly they'll be unable to think for themselves or reason for themselves. They'll expect the media to do all their thinking and reasoning for them. And and that's exactly what has happened. Yes. You know, uh, people turn on their 6 o'clock news, and that's, 
you know, well, I was told this on the news, whether yeah. it was Fox or CBS or NSB, you know, any of them. Yes. And, and they're taught, you know, just don't question it. Don't even look into that story or why they're saying what they're saying. Yes. And it's true because that's why they hire people and keep them until they're 80 years of age because you grow up with them and he becomes like a father figure, paternal figure, staring you in the eye every night at 6 o'clock or, or, or 11 o'clock or whatever time. Right. And you'd never suspect this man, this father figure that you've grown up with could lie to you. Yeah. That's why they pay them such big money to, to stay there. But, you know, Ellen, I guess I was lucky. My father worked for Naval Intelligence, and he told me from the get-go, it's an oxymoron. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know. And uh, I've known people even in, in Naval Intelligence on the lower orders that were given stuff uh, to do with uh, a, a form of programming that came across their desk to make them believe in things because the first person you must convince who's going to go out to convince the public later on are, are your operators themselves. They must believe that they really have a cause of what they've seen is true. So you yeah, must and I don't think my dad ever. I, I don't think my dad ever bought onto it. Yeah, yeah. And thank God, because he was the one that kept me awake. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for calling. Thank you. We're back after the following messages. Sweet time. Bye. Hi, folks. Alan Watt back and cutting through the matrix and trying to point out some reality to people. Reality that's beyond conditioning. You're, you're conditioning. We're all conditioned from childhood onwards to be patriotic, to, to do the normal cultural things that everyone else is doing, including, if need be, to, to grow up to be nice little soldiers and stuff like this. We don't realize that this is planned, that the future is always planned ahead by those who are in power. That's what George Orwell talked about in 1984, ongoing warfare. And even, we must remember, even revolutions are part of the big, the big structure of this plan. Ongoing eternal revolutions to this ultimate Superman image, this godlike creature that will supposedly evolve. And we know they're going to make it evolve by scientific means but it's not going to be uh, a free society at all. It's going to be a society of an elite, which has been talked about, again, going back to the days of Plato. He called them, called them the guardian class. We have Charles Galton Darwin in his book, The Next Million Years, talking about the elite themselves, not altering themselves, dumbing themselves down like they will the public. And he talked about that too, by the way. He talked about keeping the elite sentient because they will be steering the ship planet Earth to, to the future, through society, that the masses of the public wouldn't need their ability to solve problems because the state would be doing it all for them. Right down to the individual, that's what he meant. And it's happened with most people. They live under Big Brother and they don't mind. And I've said for years that most folk will love socialism. They already do. It's nice to, to think you can be Peter Pan and live forever, but never grow up and deal with the problems of being an adult. That's what people really prefer. Because being an adult means you have to 
understand things and make decisions and act upon them, even moral decisions. That's something people would rather cop out of. It's a heavy burden in your personal life or even to do something for others that you might never meet in your lifetime. If you have no empathy for those you'll never meet who are dying in other countries, courtesy of your taxpayer money, then, then why should anyone care about you when the big eating machine comes round to your door? That's what it's all about. Because compassion for others is a survival mechanism. People survive in groups through massive disasters. That's when they help each other. If you don't care about other people, they won't care about you, which means your survival instinct has been destroyed. And that's also what the writers like Arthur Kessler talked about in The Ghost in the Machine. This wonderful man who worked for MI5, and, uh, coupled with the CIA, by the way, and gave you your culture all through the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and 80s, and still do today. That's now uh, exposed. It's, it's, been, it's been declassified information. He worked with Bertrand Russell on books, and unfortunately with, with uh, Blair as well, or George Orwell. They all worked together. And they didn't always get on, mind you, because they all had tremendous egos. At least Russell did, and so did Kostler. And Russell was always hitting on Kostler's wife, so they couldn't make a good working team. I'll talk about this perhaps next week, more of it, when I come back. But on a cold winter night up in Ontario, Canada, it's good night from Hamish, a dog, and myself. May your God or your gods go with you.